When I drove around uh, the neighborhoods, um, I, I noticed there's a lot more Christmas lights that were put up a lot earlier this year than they had been in years past. Did anybody else notice that? Seems like people put them up, or I think it's because people are a little bored, people need something to do, but I think more than that, people need something to celebrate. I think people need some good news. Can somebody say amen? I think it's important. That's why we have decided that for the next few weeks, the weeks leading up to Christmas, we are going to take this time uh, in a new series that I'm introducing today um, that we're going to take a look at four different Christmas carols that we typically sing at Christmas time. And I really believe this is going to be encouraging. I think this is going to be enlightening. I think it's going to be helpful to us. And I really believe it's not just a, a sermon, but these are messages that I believe that you can sink your teeth into and use in the parking lot on your way out of here. So the carol that I want to use today uh, is a favorite for many, many people. The carol that I want to use today is, is O Holy Night. How many of y'all know that Christmas carol? O Holy Night. Sure you do. So I'm going to give you some context of this song, and then, and then we're going to talk about it for just a few minutes. Let me, let me help you with this. The song, O Holy Night, was actually written in the mid-1800s. What's interesting about this is there was a parish priest in the mid-1800s whose name, um, uh, excuse me, a parish priest who asked a guy who was a merchant, a French merchant in the marketplace. He had a little shop, but he was known to be a poet. And he asked this merchant poet if he would write a poem, that the poet's name was Placid Capeu, and Placid was asked if he would write a poem to what? To Luke chapter 2. The priest goes up to this, it sounds like a joke, it's not, priest goes up to this poet um, and says, hey, listen, would you, would you write a poem to, to honor Luke chapter 2? And y'all know Luke chapter 2 is the, is the Christmas story in the Bible. And so this poet takes on the challenge and he writes the poem. But the interesting thing is not only was Placid, the poet, not a Christian, he was also known in the community to be a hellraiser. He was a, he was a, he was a tough, tough guy. And, but this guy who was very far from God wrote this beautiful poem in tribute to Luke chapter two. So he wrote this poem. He liked it so much that he asked his friend. So the, the priest goes to the poet, and the poet goes to his friend, and he says to his friend, hey, would you write some music to this poem that I have written? Well, it was amazing. It's the song that we sing Today, it became so popular that it spread like wildfire throughout the entire nation, all around the world, in fact. The, the thing about it, though, is a few years later, the church officials, the hierarchy in the church, under, began to understand that, wait a minute, this Hellraiser poet and his wicked, evil, evil, uh, equally wicked friend wrote and composed the music to this song, so we've got to squelch this song. We can no longer sing this song in the church. However, it had taken off with so much favor, and it was so massively popular, and it still is today that they couldn't stop it. Another really interesting fact about O Holy Night that I thought was fascinating is that five decades later, after the poet wrote it and the music was put to it and they drafted the song and it took off like wildfire, a, a gentleman who was a 33-year-old Canadian professor by the name of Reginald Fessenden, he did what many people thought was impossible. Working out of his garage, his own garage, he made a makeshift generator, plugged a microphone into it, 
and broadcast, get this, the very first AM broadcast across radio waves that ever was. The very first one on Christmas Eve, 1906. What did he broadcast? He took Luke chapter two, the Christmas story, and in that makeshift, on that makeshift generator with that microphone plugged into it, he read Luke chapter two, the Christmas story. That was the first thing across the airwaves ever. And then right afterwards, he picked up his violin and he played, oh, holy night. The very first song ever broadcast on radio waves was this song. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I want to take this song and take a couple of phrases out of this song that that we sing, kind of zero in on those phrases for the next few moments. In fact, that's what we're going to do in this entire series. I might pick out some phrases from the songs that we sing, the Christmas carols that we sing, but I believe that when we're done with this time together, every time you worship God in that song, this phrase will jump out at you and you'll remember. You'll remember this holy moment this divine experience that we're going to have together in the next few minutes. So what I want to do is I want to take the first phrase out of this song that we're going to look at today, and it's a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. How many, turn to your neighbor and say, weary world. We live in a weary world, don't we? If ever there was a time in history in our lives that we could classify the world as 
weary, it would be COVID, baby, right? It's a weary world we live in. It's overwhelming to see the anxiety and the economy and relationships are all messed up and people are struggling. And here's the deal. Let me just kind of caution you as I talk to more and more people. People tend to be really energized about 2020 coming to a close. And 2021 is going to take off. Let me just warn you and just caution all of us. Here's what's going to happen. If you put all your eggs in that basket, that when you flip the calendar page to 2021, somehow things are going to magically be better and be different, you're going to be sorely disappointed. You're going to be let down. Don't, don't do that. People, people, we do that all the time. Well, when I turn a certain age, things are going to be better. Or when I get that car or live in that house or get that job, or when I, listen, if you put all your eggs in that basket, you're oftentimes disappointed. When I get this or do this or accomplish this, then I'll stop that. I won't do this. I'll leave that. And when this doesn't take place or when this takes place, perhaps, and we don't stop that, we end up doing more of that and spiraling out of control. So don't, don't allow that to take place in your life because we're probably going to be living with this COVID stuff. I don't want to be a naysayer, but I'm trying to be a little bit of a realist for at least a few more months. I think maybe even longer. Families are struggling. It's almost like people are fighting to stay above water at this point. And I just think we can really relate to this phrase, the weary world. But what I love about this song is it says there's this thrill of hope. I want you to imagine the chaos of that holy night, the chaos in the stable. And yet on the other side of the chaos, there is this thrill of hope. You see, 2,000 years ago or so, they were, people were putting their faith in God. They hadn't heard God speak to them in 400 years. He hadn't said a word. He remained silent to his people. They had this hope, though, that God had promised that one day the Messiah would be born. And on that day, everything would be different forever. So you can kind of hear in their voices as you read Luke chapter 2 that the faith that they have, there is this thrill of hope that suddenly this weary world would do what? Rejoice. It would rejoice. And I pray that as we go through this message today, that if there's any weariness in you, Oh, I think that's a pretty good word for many people. That you will experience a thrill of hope inside of you and that you would find the faith to rejoice in the Lord. Now I want to focus on the second phrase. For yonder, yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Is it on the screen? Shazam. Check that out. Maybe you can't see, but I can't. There, yeah, there it is, right? For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Now, we got to talk about, about this phrase a little bit more because in, in order to do that, I want to take you back to the Old Testament book of Lamentations. I'm going to give you a couple minutes to look that up because you probably haven't hung out in Lamentations for a while in your Bible. So open to the Old Testament book. If you've got your Bible or your device, open to Lamentations chapter 3. While you're opening up to Lamentations chapter 3, let me uh, set the stage for you. The year is 586 BC. 
nearly 600 years before Jesus was, was born. And the city of Jerusalem had fallen. In, in other words, it had been become occupied. It was in ruins. And the people were distraught, to say the least. I, um, and the prophet Jeremiah uh, was lamenting. What does lamenting mean? It's kind of a combination between whining and, and hurting and mourning and grieving all together. He's just lamenting along with everybody else. And in this particular portion, he pours his heart out to God in the midst of the weary world that he's in. Now, we might not be occupied by outside forces, or are we in the middle of this COVID stuff? And he's pouring his heart out to God, and you can hear it in the text. Now, I want to start in verse number 20 of Lamentations chapter 3. He says, I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. You're going to see in just a second that he's going to move from this phraseology, from mourning, and he's going to be move, shifting over to a moment of faith in his life. He's grieving. What I want you to understand, the reason we're starting with this verse instead of the positive verse, which is next, is because he's not denying the darkness of his life right now. He's not denying the situation. He's acknowledging there's some pretty life-altering difficulties that are going on right now. But he goes on in verse number 21, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What do I have? I have hope. I love it when he says, this I call to mind. In other words, I know it's in there somewhere in the filing cabinet of my brain, this, this thing called hope, but I'm gonna have to go way back in there and sift through all of the, the boxes, sift through all the cobwebs to find that, that file marked hope because it's been a while since I've really felt hope inside, but I'm gonna call hope to the front of my mind and I'm gonna do this because I'm gonna remember intentionally the truth because I remember the truth of God's word I will have hope when nobody else has hope because I know this to be true and I will call it to mind. Therefore, I'm going to have hope. And then he says in verse 22, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. They are new every morning. He says this, and then here's the deal. I love what happens in this verse. He shifts over. Have you ever shifted over in your life before? He's talking about God, and something happens inside of him. Something snaps. Something goes, and instead of talking about God, he immediately shifts over to just talking to God, because he must give God praise, and he must give God glory. And he says in the latter part of verse 23, great is your faithfulness. He's in the middle of talking about God, verse 22 again, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. It's like he's preaching. It's like he's teaching to people. Or maybe he's teaching to himself right now. And he's saying, because of this, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. And there's a, something that snaps. There's something that shifts. You ever have that happen to you? I don't know. It happened to me. I, this COVID season, when it, when it first began, like everybody else, you know, people going crazy. 
getting things and stocking up and we decided we wanted to have a pantry at the house so we could share it with our family. Kids, you know, thinking about kids and grandkids and people got to eat and you don't know, we had an Armageddon. What's happening? What's going on? So I go to the store and I, I don't, there's no meat. I like meat. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes? Yeah, you can have a salad if you want to. <laughs> I want some meat. But, but we can't, meat doesn't stay fresh forever. So I really like the, the canned Swanson chicken breast. They're talking about chicken breast. I'm not talking about the Kirkland stuff. That is the stuff they scrape off the floor and probably put in the can and give to you. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the actual chicken breast inside, you know, good meat. And I like that because you can put it on the shelf and it can keep for a long time and people have meat and we can share that. They didn't have any. For a, it felt like for a long time. And then I walked, I went into the store and they had like two stacks of like five of them on either side. It's like 10 cans there. I had a moment as I shoved them all into my cart, right? I can shoulder check people just like they can shoulder check me. And I, and I, but I, had, I really, it's kind of humorous, but I had a moment. I was like, God, you are so faithful to me, to my family. Thank you for the Swanson chicken and cans. Hmm. I was really grateful. Sometimes you talk about God. Sometimes you just got to talk straight to God. In fact, why don't we take just a second and break out and talk to God in here? If you're at home, take a second. Come on now. Everybody, just begin to say, God, you are faithful to me. Great is your faithfulness. You are holy. You're awesome. You're incredible. You're loving. You're powerful. You are my all and all. You own it all. You have it all. You possess it all. God, I don't have to worry because I'm not at the wheel. You are God. You are faithful in my life. And for that, I praise you and say thank you. Hallelujah. 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 And then verses 24 through 26. Let's do this. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Wow. Now, maybe you got it, maybe you didn't get it, but you're going to get it in a few minutes because these three verses, we're going to unpack these three verses and hang out in these three verses for the remainder of our time together. And in these three verses, I want to show you three truths that can bring you a thrill of hope in your weary world of darkness. Here we go. Truth number one, write it down or pretend you're writing it down. I don't know why I did this when I was a kid. I just had a flashback. My mama would say, did you wash your hands after you used the restroom? I don't know why I would waste so much energy not washing my hands, but I would go to literally go turn on the sink so she could hear the water run. And I'd walk over to our towel bar that turned a little bit and it squeaked when it turned. And I would grab onto the towel and go squeak, 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 just so that she could hear it turn. And then I would leave not having washed my hands. But she thought I was washing my hands because I did everything that it took to wash my hands but wash my hands. And I look back on that later and go, what an, what an idiot I was. But if I'm gonna waste the energy to turn it on, I might as well wash it. If I'm gonna do the towel, I might as well dry and get out of there and everybody could have been happy. Don't pretend to write it down. Write it down, man, write it down. Yes, if you don't have a pencil, then write in blood. No, I'm just kidding. Just write it down. Here we go. A new day with Jesus 
brings exactly what you need. A new day with Jesus brings exactly what you need. Now, I didn't say what you want because oftentimes what you want and what you need are two totally different things. But we're going back to verse number 24 for this one, so I'll reread it. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. I say to myself, How many of you know that every now and then, you just kind of got to talk to yourself. You got to preach some truth to yourself. Often, a lot of times, you're the best preacher in the room. You just begin preaching. You open up God's word and you call it to mind. You remind yourself of his faithfulness, of his truth, of his power, of his anointing, of his strength, of his sustenance. You remind yourself of these things and you open up God's word and you speak the truth over your life. I say, to myself, Jeremiah says, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Well, what does that mean? The Lord is my portion. Sounds flowery and poetic, but what does it mean? It's a reminder that back when the children of Israel were enslaved in Egypt, Remember Moses and the 10 plagues and let my people go and then they get out of there and now they're wandering in the wilderness for a long time and they're hungry. They need something to eat and God sustains them and he gives them manna, honeycomb from heaven that falls every day. I will wait for him. And the one thing about the manna that fell from heaven, if you remember, is you were supposed to eat that which which fell every day but you weren't allowed to keep any in your Tupperware until tomorrow to eat it then because if you, no matter what you put it in there, how you stored it, it had maggots and worms and mold and gross stuff in it because God was saying, I don't want you to save it. I want you to trust me every single day of your life. I want you to know that I'm with you every single day. Just like in the New Testament, Jesus says, pray like this. He says, he says, my daily bread, your daily bread, because I need you, God, every single day in my life. Let me remind you, God is already in tomorrow. He's already there. And we can't see that or comprehend, we can't understand that, we can't even fathom that, but God is already there. He has everything you need for tomorrow because he's already in tomorrow today. If your marriage is struggling, that what I hope you'll understand is God is already in tomorrow waiting for you and he has everything that your marriage needs. If you're weak today, God is already in tomorrow and his strength is made perfect in your weakness. He's working it together for your good. If you're down and depressed and downcast, he's already in tomorrow and he is your joy, unspeakable and full of glory. He is the lifter of your head. A new day with Christ brings exactly what you need. And what you need is the presence of God. You need his reality. You need his strength. You need his power. You need his goodness. A new day with Jesus brings exactly what you need. Number two, a new day with Jesus 
brings us the hope to keep going. A thrill of hope in this weary world. It's the belief that there's a new morning coming in the middle of the chaos of the night. You know, when you're sick, you can be equally sick during the daytime as you are at the nighttime, but doesn't it feel a whole lot worse at nighttime than it does at the daytime? It seems like all bad things tend to happen at nighttime. It's not totally true, but it sure seems that way, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's different. Jesus was betrayed at night. I think just as a reminder to us that, yeah, it's gonna be dark, but joy cometh in the morning. A thrill of hope in a weary world. Verse number 25. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. Somebody said you can live for 40 days or so without food and, 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 and eight days or so without water and four minutes or so without oxygen, but you can't really live a second without hope in your life. I believe there are too many people that are str struggling. They're trying to survive in what we're calling a hope-deprived life. They're struggling to find a place to put their hope. What do I put my hope in? Well, you put your hope in your job or in your company. Your job or your company is eventually gonna let you down. You put your hope in your education. You put your hope in your position. It will eventually let you down. You put your hope in another person. I don't care who it is. They're gonna eventually let you down. You put your hope in some outcome that you expect or you really need to happen. And it may not exactly happen the way that you thought it should happen. It'll probably let you down. The reason is, is because we're putting our hope in the wrong places. And when we put our hope in the wrong places, what we do is we start to end up hopeless. And we become a weary world that wonders, is there anything good in this life? Is there anything good in this life? because our hope is in the wrong place. Hebrews chapter 10, I'm gonna switch over for one, one verse. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. I love that picture. It's a challenge. Hold on to it for your life. If you're a Christian, grab hold of the hope that we profess. I, I, I know it's not easy, but hold on to it and don't ever let go of hope because God is faithful. The problem is you've got, you're holding on to hope on this side and you're holding on to the flesh on this side. And it's, it's a war. You gotta let go of one. And I'm challenging you, let go of fear. Let go of anxiety. Let go of stress and panic and doubt in your life. Hold on to hope. Don't let go. 
The promises of God are true. Don't ever lose hope because it is amazing what a new day in Jesus can bring. Don't ever lose hope. If you're panicked, if you're in trouble, if you've made a bad decision, if you're afraid, don't pull the trigger. Don't drive off the cliff. Don't smoke that stuff. Don't put it in your veins. Don't take those pills. Don't, don't lose hope. Hold on to the hope that we profess. And I'm just gonna stay here for a moment because I think somebody really needs to hear this. Don't let go of the hope. Don't give up. Don't surrender. Don't cash it in. Don't ever, ever, ever give up. It may be dark for a while. Jesus said in this world you're gonna have all kinds of trouble. It may be dark for another season in your life, but don't give up. A new day is coming, and it is amazing what a new day with Jesus can bring. Don't give up. Don't give up. Hold on to hope. that The world is weary. Yes, of course it is. But there is a thrill of hope in the midst of the weary world. I'm telling you, a new day with Christ can change everything. Oh, if I could look into every one of your eyes, eyeball to eyeball, into your soul, whether you're here or you're watching online, I would tell you, hang on until the morning, man. Don't give up when you see the sun come out, when you see the sun rise, when you stay the course, you'll discover that God has everything that you need. Don't give up the hope. A new day with Christ, a new and glorious morn. It brings exactly what you need. And it gives you the hope to keep on going when you don't think you can when you can't on your own Jesus can and number three a new day with Jesus brings the help that you are seeking Verse number 26 in Lamentations chapter three. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Sometimes you gotta just wait quietly for the what? The salvation of the Lord. Some of you need to be saved and need to be forgiven by God. We're gonna deal with that a little later. But some of you need to be saved out of a very difficult situation. And you're like, um, I want to blame it on everybody else. I, I want to I blame it on my, my, my past. And I want to blame it on the, what people did. But you realize I got, a, I got an ownership stake in this too. And so you really need to be saved out of this difficult situation. I'm telling you, it is unfathomable. It is unbelievable. It is amazing what, what a difference one day with Jesus can make. Lazarus had been dead for four days. Everybody had given up all hope. 
The, the King James Version literally says, he stinketh. His body was already rotting in the grave. And Jesus comes, and everybody's weeping, and everybody's mourning. Jesus even wept with them, even though he knew what was to come. And he's like, hey, Lazarus, buddy, hey, man, come out of there. Lazarus gets up. If Lazarus was here today, I'm confident he would say, it is amazing the difference that one day with Jesus can make. There was a woman who suffered with an issue of blood for 12 years. We can't even begin to imagine, culturally speaking, the, the shame and the embarrassment and the pain and the humiliation that she, the torture, the private suffering she had to do for, undergo for 12 years, every day, hoping maybe this is the day. Maybe some of you can relate to that. Then she sees Jesus and, and she reaches up and she touches the hem of his garment, the, the bottom of his robe, and she is instantly healed. She would tell you if she was standing here right now, it is amazing the difference that one day with Jesus can make. One man, he was 38 years, 38 years he had never walked, paralyzed, couldn't walk. He, 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 he had to beg just to survive. Sitting by the pool of Bethesda and one day Jesus comes up to him and takes a look at this guy after 38 years of being lame and paralyzed and he looks at him and he says, pick your mat up and walk. And the dude gets up and starts dancing around, celebrating. He could walk. If that dude, who is nameless to us, but has a name to Jesus, was here today, he would tell you it is amazing the difference that one day with Jesus can make. Some, some of you are in a weary world right now. I'm telling you there is a thrill of hope that will make your weary world rejoice. There is a new and glorious morn I declare over your life that is coming. You may look at your marriage and think it could never be, it'll never be what it should be. But it is amazing the difference that one day with Jesus can make. Some of y'all sick in your body. Some of you, your friends, your family members are sick in, in there by someone you love. And we, I'm telling you, we serve a God that is able to heal. Somebody say amen. And whether he heals you in the way that you want to be healed or he heals you in a different way, I just know that it is amazing the difference that one day with Jesus can be. Some of you are in the nighttime right now and there's screaming and there's no epidural and the baby's coming and life is chaotic, and there's animals, and it feels unsafe, and it's certainly not clean around you. That's how life was 2,000 years ago. And you need to put yourself in the story. Yes, it is chaotic. This isn't the way it should be. It should be handled totally different than this. There should be a better plan than this. I deserve better than this. So did the Son of Almighty God but he put himself in that position so you could know that he identifies with your chaos. So I declare to this church today, online, in person, I declare that all of a sudden, I love that phrase, all of a sudden, in the middle of the weary 
darkness of the night, Jesus Christ is showing up and you can have hope in the middle of the night. You can have hope in the middle of your chaos because a new day with Jesus brings exactly what you need. And number two, a new day with Jesus gives you the hope to keep on moving forward. And number three, a new day with Jesus will bring you the help that you are seeking. Hallelujah. Some of y'all need a new life verse. So I thought about this and I want to give you one. Romans. Romans chapter 13. Verse number 12. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. One more time. The night is just about over. The daytime is right around the corner. And you are nearer to salvation today than you were yesterday. Hallelujah. Because Jesus was born into this weary world, there is a thrill of hope for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I pray that in your presence, your spirit would minister to your children. And every time, God, we would worship you through this Christmas carol, that we would be reminded that a new day with Jesus can bring more than we could ever imagine. God, I ask that your spirit would speak to us in a way that only you can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to turn this gathering over to your campus pastor. Stay in this attitude and in this spirit of rejoicing and prayer. Because it is amazing what one day with Jesus can do.